Welcome back to the Todd Duncan Podcast. A member of the industry syndicate. This is where success happens. Todd's goal is to transform your business and life through deeper connections, higher trust, and proven strategies to help you win and give you your best life ever. Here's your host, Todd Duncan. All right, over this side. Where's the mic, Katie? Yeah, round of, uh, let's get uh, energy, 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 energy. But don't knock me over. <laughs> All right. You ready? I'll turn around, everybody. I'm good. You ready? Good. <laughs> better go- good morning, everybody. You're gonna stay up. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. I was on romp room when I was five. Try it again. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. There we go. Uh, My name is Katie Delasto. I'm a business development manager with Homebridge Financial and a real estate agent. And uh, my question for you is that I do a lot of uh, coaching and training for both realtors and loan officers. And time blocking is always something that's talked about a lot in sales mastery. If you could pick your top three things to time block on a weekly basis, what would they be and why? Um, Great question. I guess the first thing I would say about time blocking before I answer the question is time blocking is a lost art. And the reason why we do the academy and the reason why we spend the better part of 10 hours on that one topic is because it, by being a lost art, you are a mess. And when you are a mess, you work hard, but you don't get high ROI. And nobody in this room has ever received a plaque from your manager congratulating you for being the busiest LO of the month. (laughs) Never, never, right? So what I would do in in answering the question is, is first of all, understand that, that time blocking as is an art is always a work in progress. And at different stages of your life and at different stages of your career, it will adjust. And the biggest thing I would tell you about time blocking that, uh, that initiates failure is not having flex time in the block time. And so people kind of stack up, here's what I'm gonna do till nine, and then, and then at nine colon oh oh colon oh one, you know, which is one second after nine o'clock, I gotta switch to this, and then at 9.30, I gotta switch to this. So that is problematic because you will fail. And when you start to fail at trying to do something, there's not a lot of excitement at trying it again, right? So it's a work in progress. You cannot have the attitude that you tried time blocking for an hour and it didn't work, so you'll just kind of let it for, you know, go by. You have to understand it is a work in progress. The ultimate goal, the ultimate goal is for you to understand that 80% of your day should be oriented around making money and 20% of your day should be oriented around the pipeline, the team experience, and making sure the ultimate elite borrower experience is happening. So that can be pipeline check-ins, that can be pipeline huddles, that can be team meetings, that. The balance of the time, so let's take 80% of an eight-hour day is 6.4 hours. The balance of the day should have 80% of the 6.4 hours on borrower consultations and the 20% of the time left over on education 
and real estate and partner development. That's it, to Jennifer's point. And that should be your day. So if I take out of the 6.4 hours, 80%, and I end up getting you know, around four, four and a half hours, that to me is you know, eight 30-minute buyer consultations. Now, if we build flex time in, we can cut that in half. Four borrower consultations a day, got a little bit of rift time, a little bit of interruption time, that's all good. But four consultations a day, or 20 consultations a week, or 80 consultations a month, with a 25% conversion rate, you guys are cooking along at 20 deals a, a month. So the answer to the question is, I'm gonna block consultations, I'm gonna block partner development, and I'm gonna block pipeline. Those are the top three things. And if you did nothing else with your career and backfilled you know, 15 minute breaks in between all those, you'd be a millionaire. You would be a millionaire. What we teach in the academy is how to take that methodology and go from wherever you are, and your first benchmark coming out of the academy, your first benchmark is 200 fundings, your second benchmark is 400 fundings, and your third benchmark is 600 fundings. And what makes the academy magical is we don't change the front-end number. We don't change how many people you have to talk to. We change the efficiency of the conversation so that the conversion goes up because if you front load this and you 4x leads to get 4x the results, you consume 4x of the time. That's not smart. The deal in time blocking is don't double or triple or quadruple the amount of time you spend, double, triple, or quadruple the conversion you get. And if you do that, then you can scale the business in unbelievable ways. This, the, 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 the final part of the time blocking thing, so those are the three. The final part of the time blocking thing is make a decision that in my life, I am going to commit, and you can, just, you can stop anytime you want. I made a commitment that I would hire one assistant a year, every year, to make my goals work. I also committed 10% of my income goal number to invest in that team to make my goals work. So if you want to make you know, $500,000, you want to commit $50,000 to building your team. You want to make a million dollars, you need to commit $100,000 to building your team. And if you have the mindset of the investment and balance it with your company and, and you know, even maybe have them participate and or see your five-year or 10-year business plan and help you with that, that's beautiful. But here's what I learned about teams. The team is limited by the size of your dream. The team is limited by the size of your dream. If you don't have a big dream, you may not even need a team. But as the dream grows, the team must grow. And as was said on stage, the team must grow ideally a month or two or three ahead of demand. If I wait for demand to ceiling out before I extend another person to my team, then demand will fall. And that's why, you ready? That's why so many of us end up with a great month and a bad month 
in a great month, in a bad month, or a great week, in a bad week, because we keep hitting this ceiling. So the team's big, I mean the dream's big, you need a big team. How big should the dream be? As big as you want it. To think about a guy named Tim Smith that has 40 agents and support staff on his team and is one of the top real estate agents in, in Southern California, that's not the model for you know, probably 90% of the agents. They don't think that big. But I will tell you right now, there's some stuff happening that I'm, I'm, I'm going to forecast could really change your world forever if you get the team piece. If you get the team piece. I have, another, I have something else I want to tell you. <clears throat> so this, this idea of breakthrough. Now, I probably can't do this because I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this for our elite group in November, so I probably should hold it right now. <laughs> All right, so I, I will give this to everybody right now. <laughs> the, <clears throat> the high trust originator. Of the future will be on the listing presentation with the listing agent live at the seller's house to show the seller why this is the only obvious option of any agent in town and any lender in town. And the absolute dream team between an LO and an agent is going to morph into a presentation where lender and agent are at the listing appointment together. That is not happening, and I'm telling you, that will change your world. That will change your world. Because now, your focus isn't even going to be on buy side. The focus is going to be on the agent that is primarily listing, because now what happens is agent conversion of listing presentation to listing contract now accelerates. Why? Because now the lender can show with the agent the buyer population that they have and then the credibility of financing before offer and the certainty of closing. Imagine what percentage of offers are now going to start to get accepted. Not to mention when the listing agent signs the contract and you're there as the lender, now all buyer offers coming in are going to be run through the lender filter. There is, there, for anybody in the room, there are at least a hundred to, I bet you for the Wallies and the Cody's of the world, a thousand more deals a year right there. That's a shift. That is a big shift. So anyway, that's my thought there. All right, who's out? Who's next? Where's, uh, where's the mic? All right, Dean, you got somebody over there? Yep. Oh, it's you. Okay. Yeah. All right, uh, Dean Hayes, uh, originating branch manager, uh, Bay Equity Home Loans in Burlington, Washington. 
Uh, my question, Todd, is, uh, and you've hit on it a couple times here today, but uh, throughout the event, we've talked about metrics, conversion metrics, um, uh, lead to application, application mm -hmm. to funding, and so forth. I was wondering if you could share some industry norms. I'm looking at hiring a uh, uh, lead conversion specialist, or what I call a future client specialist, uh, to help that. But I want to have some metrics in place to know what kind of numbers I should be uh, uh, measuring against and how we could even try to exceed that. Yeah. So um, let, me, let me say something that's super important about Dean's question. Conversion goes down in direct proportion to lack of trust existing. So if there is a no trust lead meaning they don't trust you not because they don't trust you. There just isn't any trust because they don't know you. So when trust is down here on lead conversion, lead conversion, conversion is dismal. And nobody gets paid having a conversation with somebody that at some point doesn't convert. So when we know that trust exists... It changes all of the metrics in terms of convertibility. So when trust exists, which is in the form most often of a direct referral from somebody who already trusts to somebody who will now trust, not because they used you, but because somebody they trust told them to use you, conversion skyrockets. So I will tell you there are members in Elite that from contact and conversation through pre-qual to trid-triggered submission are at 60, 65% of those buyers are converting to deals that close. And the closing rate for a lead is well north of 90% once that file's in processing. So I can't really answer where you're at, but I can tell you that if you do not have high trust referrals, which is a, a B to C outcome, People that have used you, believing in you, that trust you, that will go out of their way to tell people that don't know you and therefore can't trust you that you're okay and you should be trusted, you're going to have a range that's really, really wide. And I would tell you at the very bottom end, it's probably somewhere on pure lead conversation, two, three, four percent. You know, if you're a little bit better and you have some good scripting and you have some good follow-up and, you know, you manage the sales funnel the right way, probably pull that up to 12, 13, you know, maybe 14, 15%. In my world, nothing was acceptable below 25%. And most of the coaching clients that we have, we're trying to get them to 45 to 55% on the front-end metric. Okay? So um, we measure five things. We measure every day with our coaching clients. We measure total conversations. Okay? And these are with buyers who want to buy who can buy, and who will buy at some point in the future. And the future is defined by whenever. Could be a month from now, could be a year from now. We got buyers that are five years out, four years out, three years out. Somebody tells you to call them in January 2019, you should call them in January 2019. You should call them every year on January of 2018 before 19 to make sure they know you're calling them in January of 2019. 
And in between, has anything changed? The total conversations split to database conversations and conversations from referral partners. So while these are two separate metrics, they roll up into that number, but we're tracking all three. The fourth thing we track is those conversations that yield a trid-triggered submission to processing. And that number is being looked at every day. And then the fifth and last number that we're looking at is those loans to closing. And anybody who's in here uh, who's a, a coaching uh, client can... Where's the mic over here? Who's got the mic? We have to throw that right here. Talk about daily metrics and what it meant to you and what's happened. Stand up. Oh, sorry. Who is your coach? Hello, everybody. Um, my coach was Brian Frazier. Um, the daily metrics... Here, come over here and look at everybody. Oh, Actually, do you want to be on stage? Have you ever been on stage? Never been on stage. Yeah, go up the steps. Hello, everybody. Um, the daily metrics are... Um, well, at first, were extremely difficult. Uh, mainly because uh, I never kept track of them before. And then once I started keeping track of them, I realized how bad I was. And then, uh, you know, every single day that I'm doing them, you know, I would see like a big uh, zero on the prequal conversations. And then the more and the more I was doing it, the more it was bothering me every single day. And then as you said earlier, if you don't fill out the form, um, you will get emails, I think, every other... Yeah, it's not a form. It's you have your own dashboard. I mean, Yeah, it's a dashboard. You're reporting on a, a web-based dashboard real-time, and mm -hmm. we know your stats, we know the heartbeat of your business, we watch everything go up. But what you just said is worth millions of dollars. Yeah. Conversations that have zero next to them hurt. Yep. That's it. it, it's it. And, then, and then after a while, you know, if I didn't do it for like a day or two, then, you know, my, my bi-weekly phone call turned into a text from Brian directly, and he's like, dude, fill it out. <laughs> and then I would go, and I would have to do it, and I did do it, and that's the main motivation of what I'm doing now is, you know, I was doing, I talked about implementing earlier, you know, and I implement so much that now the only thing I'm doing when I go back is only those conversations, and that's it. If it has anything else to do that's not a dollar productive activity, I'm a thousand percent eliminating it. And luckily, I have a good team now that when I went to a new company that 100% supports me. So now that's all I have to do. That's all I'm going to do. And that's get on those conversations. And, uh, you know, that metric still comes out every single day, all day, all night. I see that. And I have to go in and do it. I got to keep track of it. And, you know, the app to close is easy. You know, that stuff's simple. The hardest part of doing it is getting those upfront conversations and uh, you know, making sure that you get that in because you don't have to worry about anything else in the process if you don't get clients through the door. You can have a great system if you don't get the client. You don't have to worry about anything in the process if you don't get clients in the door. Yeah. That's huge. It's the truth, so, <laughs> so uh, hopefully. Uh, so so yeah. let me ask you a question just off the cuff and, uh, and, and just answer it. You, know, you didn't know, I, was, I didn't even know you were gonna be here. It's all organic. Right. Um, when you marry up, your graduation from the academy and coaching, just talk about what that has meant to you. Um, it's, um, 
yeah. It, it, it really changes everything. Um, I, when I was leaving the academy, I started coaching, I was working like 80 hours a week. A lot of times till 2 a.m. And one of the things I learned was to cut it to 40, and that's it. So my volume may not be double their 2x or 3x or 10x or what some of the other people have done, but I've maintained the volume and cut the time in half to 40 hours a week so I can do things. And I've moved to a company that supports me and they, I mean, honestly, the comp is almost twice as much. So um, I guess I've, you know, my income's gone up, you know, a lot. So that's good. <laughs> and, yeah. So, thank you. Hey, thanks for being part of today's episode. I've got a special gift for you I want to make sure you are aware of. I just released a 25-page ebook entitled The Five Irrefutable Principles of a High-Performance Business. These five principles are game-changing. There's a lot of methods towards success, but if you ignore the principles, it's very, very hard to know that those methods will work. Go to the show notes below, just click on the link, download this 25-page ebook, and see what kind of impact it can make in your business and your life.